Good afternoon, everybody. It is a grand and glorious day here in the best little city in America, as usual. No matter the temp, no matter the wind chill, no matter the atmospheric conditions in general, it is always a grand and glorious day in the best. Don't be frustrated when someone else takes control of the radio. The free Radio Pup app is easy to navigate. From KSL. It is always a grand and driving is so much better. Glorious day here in the best little city in America. My apologies for that. Uh, Uber producer Dan Peters is here today. Dan and I will be in for the next couple hours here. Uh, Thanks for spending some of your time with us today. Uh, We're going to spend. We're going to talk about news and politics, sports and recreation, some health care, all kinds of good stuff. Uh, If you uh, are out there on your radio. At Information 1000 KSOO, thank you very much. Streamed live on KSOO.com, thank you very much. Or on the KSOO mobile app, thank you very much. Remember, you can always follow along on Facebook Live or on our Twitter account at P. Lally Show. There were sun dogs this afternoon. This morning, I mean, sun dogs. Did you see the sun dogs, Dan? I saw the sun dogs. They were hard to miss. Yeah, they were impressive. I don't know that I've seen sun dogs like that uh, in my life. You know what I'm saying? Ever, ever. Those were huge sun dogs. Yeah, they were majestic. That's I, probably a good way to describe them. Yes, I was impressed by that. And, uh, uh, you know, I was driving along thinking uh, uh, the problem with sun dogs, of course, is they're beautiful and majestic, but as the more stunning they are, the more torturous the conditions because it means it's freaking cold and probably windy. And you know how those things occur, don't you? It's the it's the crystalline nature of the the pieces of uh, ice flying through the atmosphere, driven by the northern plains winds, and they were refracting the sun and bending the light into different wavelengths, so it creates the rainbow effect. Excellent. That was a lot more eloquent than I could ever have put. So <laughs> I will, I'm appreciative of that. About halfway through, I was looking at your face, thinking, "I'm." I'm way off base here. This is going to turn out to be something with the North Pole, but it's not. No, no, you're you're spot on. Whew, I feel better now. Uh, though I tell you what, if you uh, if you're a Minnesota Vikings fan, you probably missed the Sun Dogs because you might still be in bed sleeping it off. You know the big the big victory last night. You're probably not feeling any pain uh, after the hand of God, or as I have seen in in some Facebook memes, the hand of Prince. Guided Stefan Diggs to the end digs to the end zone and victory over the Saints yesterday. That was quite the game. You know, one of the best tweets I saw from the people I follow on Twitter said, You know you have a wonderful husband that you know he is a dyed in the wool Broncos fan, but he cues up purple rain. Oh. Oh yes. That was pretty good. Brown E points. <laughs> That's exactly right. Who's that guy trying to kid? That's not fair. Uh, anyway, uh, did you get to see the game? I was in the process of tearing down Christmas decorations during that because since New Year's Day, because usually we want to get, okay, it's after New Year's, try to get to it. I haven't been able to get to it. And so finally, last night was the night the schedule maker laid down the law and says, we got to get this done because if we don't, it's going to be another three weeks before we get to it. Yeah, so we finally right. did. 
But no. so did you get to see the it's in the background or anything like that, or you just nose to the grindstone over there? My teenage daughter, I I can't at least my my wife said that she's kind of the the Christmas Easter football fan. Ah. Only watches when it's really important. <laughs> and she was ebbing and flowing with every moment, going, Oh yeah. Ah! Mm-hmm. And and then the boys were downstairs and they were they were off doing their own Christmas decoration tear down effort downstairs. Yeah. And then once Stefan Diggs caught the ball, I yelled out, He's gonna score. <laughs> And then they ran upstairs and they said, what, what, what? So we had the DVR, yeah. we had to run it back and so they could watch it in real time and well, get see, an idea of what went on. That's the beauty of the DVR. If they'd have grown up in a different generation, they wouldn't know anything happened. No. They just would have had to rely on you. They would have been there watching and then say, change the channel, and they would have had to get up and go change it for me. <laughs> that's what it would have been. <laughs> that's exactly right. It was fun. I was in the presence of a Vikings fan watching the game. Uh, I'm not like a huge Vikings fan or anything. So, I, I mean, it was exciting, but it was actually kind of more fun to watch the Vikings fan suffer elation, suffer elation. You know, that's the joy of it. I know, because I, I'm not a big Vikings fan either, because I know the tortured history that the Minnesota Vikings have mm-hmm. gone through, and to have them have it potentially be ripped away from them again. Again. By the Saints. By the Saints again. <laughs> and and probably get rooked on an on an official's call in there too. There was there was a really egregious error that they made in, in one particular one. Mm-hmm. That yep. that they that they let go by. Yep. But eventually ugh, well, Ball don't lie. <laughs> no Ball it, don't lie. It's uh the the Minneapolis miracle, right? Um we'll be talking more about the game later and uh because we've got a great show for you today. Bobby Tippett's of Sanford's Foundation's Ava House will be here, and the Ava House is the uh, children's hospice care facility that Avera, or I'm sorry, that Sanford has set up. Sanford's Ava House, and uh, the Boon Man will be back for Weird Friends, and I don't know, we'll maybe talking about fire and firearms again. We'll see how that goes. Uh, the big time anchor of KDLT News, Kelsey Passo, will check in, and Danny V. From our sister station, 102.7, he was at the game. He was at the game, and he was a life, He is a lifetime Vikings fan, and he's going to tell us what it was like to be in the crowd. And he did not leave early. No. Can so, you imagine people who left early? Oh, man. That would, that would hurt. That would be bad. Especially if they were Vikings fans. I don't yep. think the Saints fans would have left early. No. No, they were going to revel in it. Uh, and I'll have a P&L statement just after the break. Today's topic, it's MLK Day, so I'm going to talk a little bit about MLK. That's all coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 317 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And we're going to get a little closer to free here on this beautiful Monday afternoon in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Doesn't get much better than this. It's time for the PNL statement. And uh, first off, I just want to say this, and this really isn't news, but it's an update because uh, last week we had 
Dylan McNeil on the program. He is a uh, o- Omaha teenager who races up here a little bit, cyclocross racer, who I know, and uh, we talked to him before he headed off to Nationals in Reno, Nevada, after his trip to Belgium and all that, if you remember Dylan. Well, Dylan had quite the race. Uh, I watched it, streamed live uh, by USA Cycling uh, over the weekend on Sunday, and he got third, which was amazing for him uh, because he this is his first year in the 17-18 division. He's just 16, but they have weird stuff with your racing age. Uh, but he's in there against some people who have raced in that division before, and he got third. I think he was hoping for like a top 10. He did a great job. He did a, just being smooth and avoiding crashes and all the good stuff. So I want to bring you folks up to date on Dylan's progress out there. If you are a cycling fan, a racing fan, or in the region. Uh, so congrats to him. You look very happy in the photos. Uh, but today is, as you know, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And has been a holiday in this country for uh, 30 years or so now. And as you might expect, it's conversations about Martin Luther King Jr.'s legacy and how it applies to the current state of things in our country is dominating the day. As it, as you, as I said, as you'd expect, and probably is appropriate, uh, because there's it's a holiday, so there's not a lot else going on. Um, but it's interesting to me because, in fact, it was the legacy of MLK that got me into a 30-year career so far of uh, in the media. And I was in an advanced composition class at the University of South Dakota, and we were given the assignment of what MLK meant to us and all that kind of stuff, you know, standard stuff. And I wrote mine, turned it in. And uh, Nancy Wilson, who's a longtime English professor and poet at USD, she uh, submitted a couple of the essays to the student newspaper. They wanted to print them, blah, blah, blah. It's the Vlant. And they published it. And then the editor asked me, who she, that was Mary Rejka at the time, if I wanted to be a reporter. And I said yes, and that was pretty much it. I don't really recall the details of that essay that, that I can pull from my brain, but I did read it not so long ago. I ran across it in the mess of personal junk and mementos we, mementos we kind of all keep I do remember thinking that that's pretty bad, reading it now. That's not good. Um, that's, of course, not surprising. I was a college kid, full of all the bluster and optimism and such. So there's that. It also seems shockingly bold uh, now to suggest I knew anything of the civil rights experience. Because what do I really know? I'm a white kid from Sioux Falls, right? Uh, that's what I was thinking today uh, as I heard and read the various tributes to Dr. King on this day that we've reserved in his honor. And it's a good thing to do. You have to, if you're a public official, you have to pay respect. Um, Back in the 80s, the debate over establishing that holiday was still fresh. It was the first official observation in 1986. The South Dakota legislature approved the holiday in 1989 as part of Governor George Mickelson's Year of Reconciliation. I think that was all tied up together with the Native American holiday that we have now, Native American Day, that takes the place of Columbus Day in South Dakota. But it's all to say that the legacy and the importance of of Dr. King was at a very high level, 
in South Dakota, we were very much involved in discussions of race relations by the year of reconciliation. Um, the futility of my college effort, however, viewed through, through this modern lens, looking back, it's kind of cute, you know, but futile it was. So are most of these perfunctory statements from politicians and public figures across the country today. There are exceptions, of course, but it seems to me that, the most, that most offer little in the way of true sentiment or insight or personal experience. That's because actions over the course of time and situation ring much more true than a few words read from a page, written by a staffer, vetted by another staffer, yada, yada, yada. And it's not just Martin Luther King Day, you know. I mean, there's all kinds of events through the course of a year or a few years in a politician's life where they have to make these statements, but they always seem forced. The legacy of King... Dr. King, and the civil rights movement in general is judged in a much broader context by how we treat each other. And I have been talking a lot on this program over the last week or so about how we treat each other and how we view each other. 30 years later, I have little new insight than when I wrote that essay other than to say that public policy only resonates if the public actions reflect some essence of that fundamental force that drove Dr. King and thousands of others who fought for basic human rights. The other night I was watching the new uh, David Letterman series on Netflix and uh, he had President Obama on, but uh, one of the parts of that was he uh, walked across uh, the bridge in Alabama where John Lewis, Congressman John Lewis, where they were having a voting rights march and were attacked by the dogs and the hoses and everything else. You know, and it's, it is um, a reminder of where we came from and the times that did establish Martin Luther King Jr.'s place in our history and the movement that changed our country and how we view race and how we view the rights of citizens, the civil and humanitarian rights human rights. As a country, we've changed immeasurably. Immeasurably. And so, as I view today's world through the prism of a 30-year-old essay written by a 20-year-old kid living in a world made better by people like Martin Luther King Jr. and others who sacrificed 
for an ideal, for an ideal that's baked into our sense of social justice and the rights of man and the rights of citizens in our country for not just equal treatment, but equal access to voting, equal access to services, and at least the recognition that we are all guaranteed these rights. And sometimes it seems bad. It seems like we're going backwards, but we're really not. We're really going forward. And I think that regardless of what the politicians may say today, there is hope for us that those statements will one day be more than just perfunctory, that they will be true sentiment. And I feel pretty good about that in our world, in our city, in our state, that we can move forward if we recognize what's inside all of us, the good and the bad and the ugly. So those are just some thoughts I had today as I was listening And I hope that uh, you're listening out there and thinking about who you are in our society and and, uh, how we all can be a little bit better. That's the bottom line on the P&L today. You can contact me by email, patrick at ksoo.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Show. We like to hear from you. Coming up after the break, we're going to chat with Boone Man for Weird Friends. That's all coming up on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 3.36 3.36 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And we begin our week, as always, during the Weird Friends segment with the Boone Man. Mr. Boone Man, thanks for being here, buddy. What a great way to start off the week. Yes, isn't it? Just a, a bit of sunshine and light and wisdom for yeah. all our listeners. Very little bit. Happy MLKJR Day. M- MLKJR Day. That's pretty good. Are you working today, or do they give guys like you the day no, off? No, work, work, work. It never ends. Yeah. You do, there's no holiday for uh, yeah. for the guys in your business. Superman, Clark Kent, no, we don't get the days off either. I don't, you know, the, the, you know, the superheroes and their, and their mild-mannered alter egos don't get the days off. No, I imagine that's what you guys do when you get together, sit around and... Complain. <laughs> Just complain about having to work all the time. Not, not like all those government holidays. The you know MLK Junior Day is one of the ten federal holidays. Um, chronologically, we'll run them down. New Year's Day, MLK Day, mm-hmm. Washington's birthday, or President's Day, as it's commonly known. It's still officially Washington's birthday. Memorial Day, Independence Day, Labor Day, Columbus Day, Veterans Day, Thanksgiving Day, Christmas Day. It's a lot of holidays. It is, and uh, you know, like today, I believe the Sioux Falls Catholic and Sioux Falls Christian schools are out. Yeah, but Sioux Falls Public is in because yeah. their schedule's all jacked up because of that crazy <laughs> vote calendar thing they they had. Uh, but I think they should be in. All the kids should be in school today. 
They should be in school on Washington's birthday. They should be in school on the Columbus Day Veterans Day. Yeah. They should be in school learning about MLK, learning about Washington and the other presidents. I mean, if it, uh, you know, I, but I, I don't want to sound like an old man here, but when I no. was a kid, we, <laughs> you know, we, right. we learned about George Washington chopping down the cherry tree, cannot tell a lie, and, and honest Abe walking seven miles in the snow to give a customer a penny back that he mistakenly shortchanged. We learned those valuable things that have, have you know, stayed with me low these many years and have served me well. That's right, because if you didn't learn them that day, odds are that, you know, on the Tuesday after MLK yeah. Day, it, you know, it doesn't carry the same weight, frankly. No, it just doesn't. So, I mean, they should, uh, I think they should be in school, uh, you know, doing that. They should be learning about that. They shouldn't be taking the day off and, and uh, going to the mall or I don't know what they're doing today. It's too cold to go out sliding down the hill. And speaking of sliding down the hill, now, okay, every time I drive Tut Hill Park, every time I drive by there, I cannot believe how many times I walked up that hill in my lifetime. A lot. And it's a long hill. And it's long and it's steep. And now they're, you know, they go, they get to go to Great Bear because then, you know, they get a thing that pulls them out to the top of the hill. Yeah, weenies. You know, the thing about Tut Hill is, it's not really technically. I mean, you can still go sledding there, but there's. They used to have somebody man in the place, and they had oh, lights. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, that's not true anymore, huh? No. They bosh that. Since they the, right. Okay. They, uh. I don't know if it's because it was. Oh, I don't know. Maybe too dangerous. Oh, horribly dangerous. I cannot count the number of glasses they broke there. It's <laughs> <laughs> just incredible. I that I would like to know how many femurs were broken. Oh. By people getting hit yeah, by people yeah. on sleds coming down at about 45 knots. You talk about the dangers of a chop block in the NFL. Oh, man. that's Tell nothing. You, taking them out at the knees on a on a tractor tube. <laughs> <laughs> With about six people on it. Oh, man. Rumbling down that like a train coming at you. It was, it was dangerous because yeah. it's so long and so steep. So yeah. you can still go over there, people, but they're, you're... It's you're taking your life in your hands. Which so it's really the same except there's no lights. At night. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Makes it even better. Yeah. I think I hear. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> but okay, all right. I'm, I'm getting off track of the important stuff here. MLK Day, third yep. Monday, third Monday in January, first observed. Yep. 1986. Yep. Not observed by all states until the year 2000. Oh really? Yeah, we were uh, actually funny, ahead, ahead of the game there. The, the year 2000. Um, it's funny, you know, even 18 years later, you still have to say the year 2000. <laughs> you can't just say back in 2000. You have to say back in the year 2000. Yeah, that was uh, a tough transition for us. Uh, remember, remember when you were a kid, you would talk about the year 2000. Mm-hmm. Boom, boom, so boom, far boom. in the future, like, we, there's we, no doubt that we would have talking dogs and flying cars. And mm-hmm. now it's, uh, yeah, it's nothing. But, uh, yeah, so the, yeah, so 2000, I think Arizona was the last state to get on board uh, on that to observe that as a holiday. But, you know, I don't know. Between, between it's mostly just a day, day off for people. Yep. When um, it becomes a day off for people, it kind of yeah. starts to lose its meaning. Well, and then the next step, of course, it, it's hijacked to, to advertise sales. Yeah. I mean, when, when did that happen? Pres, President's Day sales. That's what's coming up next. The President's MLK Day, Day sale? Well, you know, President's Day, you got your electronics, appliances, yep. 
furniture, Betting. mattresses. Mattresses is huge. You know, you got the ad with George Washington saying, I cannot tell a lie. The sort of perfect sleeper gives me the best night's sleep. Or mm-hmm. George Washington slept here on my a pillow. Number mattress. <laughs> no, <laughs> we sell my pillows on, on KSO. Oh, so. yeah. Well, I don't know what, what they're no, going to they, do. It's a table talk about that. It's the best night's sleep you can get. Um, <laughs> no, that's exactly it. Uh, and, and we'll be inundated by this. Okay, so now, okay, so Martin Luther King Day, MLK Day has been around for this officially 18 years, but really mm-hmm. 30, 30, 14, 30, 32 yep. years, going back to 86. When, when are we going to see the ads like, I have a dream that one day undercoating and rust proofing will be free with the purchase of a new car <laughs> participating Ford Lincoln Mercury dealers? <laughs> when when the, is that going to be okay to have? Uh, when the copyright runs out in, I think, 40 years from now. It's like. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Or maybe it's 2046 or something like that. But the, I, I have a dream speech copyright. Yeah, by the family. And I think just because you said that, just because you said that, we're going to get a cease and desist letter. <laughs> it's true. You can, really? Yeah. Okay, well, to give them my address. I'll I, talk to them. I know. You, no, I, it, won't be, it won't be any money involved, but you will get in trouble. No, you're, okay. you're going to be fine. Uh-huh. They do certify but, it for use in educational purposes and things of this nature. I guarantee... That's going to happen when that runs out. That's going to be in an ad because by then it'll be okay. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. No, there's no doubt about it. So, well, I hope you uh, survive your day of work anyway. Well, you know, we had most of our festivities the on uh, MLK Jr. Eve last night. That's true. So that's when we get the tree out. And all yeah, that. that's right. Yeah, we did that. We already did that. Or gift. or take the tree down as it as it may be. Do you still have yeah. a tree up? Did you get your other your other holiday tree down? Yeah, I got. Yeah, I, I, I put that away uh, this morning. Okay, good. Because I have the uh, I have the fake one. Because I don't need the I don't need more stuff for my burn pile. As you know, <laughs> I have plenty of stuff out there. <laughs> ha ha! I beat the boon man. <laughs> yes, uh, Dan got his stuff down, so he's taken care of. When when you get the uh, when you get the real tree, I mean, it takes about a second to burn that when when it's right. <laughs> I mean, just. Gives you some pause, doesn't it? Oh, this has been sitting in my house. Hooked to it. That's how you make a tree sound like a dog. <laughs> that's right. You put it on the bird pile and flick a match on it, and it goes, woof. <laughs> well, Boom Man, uh, with that image in my brain, I will, uh, I will take my leave from you, sir. But thank you very much. Over and out. Coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, we're going to talk to Kelsey Passolt from KDLT News, so you're going to want to stick around for that. That's all coming up next on Information 1000 KSOO. 349 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Well, I moved into this room. And we bring in now from the newsroom at KDLT Kelsey Passel, the big-time anchor of the 5, 6, and 10 o'clock broadcast. Kelsey, how are you? Hey, Patrick. How's it going? I'm doing well today. Good. We haven't talked to you for a while. You know, we just yes. thought we'd better catch up. How's, how's things yes. in the newsroom? Everybody's getting along, right? I mean, it gets kind of testy when it gets cold like this. <laughs> it does. You start to see the anger come out. No, everything's going really well. We do have a couple people in the newsroom now who are from California who are experiencing all of this for the first time. Just mock them incessantly. <laughs> That's great for them. <laughs> you, you're I, I love the, the, the boots and the face covers that they wear day in and day out. <laughs> it's awesome. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they're like they're all like a bunch of eight year olds, right? They got to bundle up and send them out into the wild. That's lovely. That's right. Hey, safety uh, first. Yes, you are from the great north. Um, are you also a Vikings fan then? I am. Oh yeah. A little bit of a hybrid situation. I was born in the Twin Cities, but spent. Most of my years in Hayward, Wisconsin, which is northwestern Wisconsin, which is really right on the cusp mm-hmm. of Vikings and Packers territory. Yeah, that's so tough you get duty. a pretty good mix in that small town. Uh, a lot of fans who are vehemently <laughs> on either side mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Of, uh, of the line. So you had uh, you had a nice time then last night. Did you? Were you? You weren't working. You had the Sunday off, right? Yeah, I had Sunday off and got to watch the game. I was watching it while I was working out, uh, and it was so funny because at the fitness facility at the gym, Mm -hmm. as soon as it happened, because, you know, every TV on the treadmill was turned to that, Mm -hmm. to the game, and everyone just erupted in a cheer. It was really, really a a cool moment, one that I did not expect, and I think a lot of people did not expect. Well, that's a strange place for that to you know that that proves the communal moment the communal experience when <laughs> when everybody with their headphones on is cheering you know they're yeah, listening to I'm whatever that south dakota has kind of taken up minnesota fandom oh, uh, you yeah. know and made it its own i we're, think that we're great at that we're great yeah. at jumping on that <laughs> i am getting a lot of cool texts from my dad who is also a vikings fan he's turned the mary tyler moore show theme song into a song about the vikings <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. So they're going to make it after all. Oh, my God. Did he actually write some lyrics for this? Oh, he, I, that's in the works. That's in the works. That's awesome. He could go a long yeah. ways with that. Yes, I think so, too. He should probably make us a recording and send it down here, and then we'll play it. <laughs> a parody, right? Yes. We can no, do I this. I love those types of parody songs. Those are so funny. That I, could go viral. I have people. Let's just say that. We can take care <laughs> on this, Kelsey. Hey, Kelsey, awesome. what's uh, what's going on else in the news? I know you guys are probably hitting the Vikings pretty heavy, but what's what's that going is, on over at the big KDLT news today? That is correct. Uh, a lot of people still in shock over uh, last night's win. We talked with fans, and, you know, yesterday KDLT Sports was at U.S. Bank Stadium, so we have some great uh, sound bites from the, from the players, uh, uh, from Coach Zimmer, you know, members of the Vikings organization. They talk about the game and moving on to the NFC Championship, so that's a really cool story. Uh, switching gears, we also have an interesting story out of Hartford. The city has a need that they are hoping that you can help with. The 11 daycares in town are not enough to handle the demand of their growing city. So they are asking for for people to start their own daycares, and they have a request for proposals, a bidding uh, process underway right now. So we'll have all the details on that and how you can get on board if, uh, if that's something mm-hmm. that you're interested in. We also uh, saw our 2018's first deadly car crashes over the weekend. Uh, it will tell you that a preventable issue played a role in both of those wrecks. There were two, one in Lincoln County, one in Brown County up near Groton. You know, I I bet it involves equipment, right? You would be correct. Yeah. You would be correct. It's always uh, amazing. It's always amazing how many people don't use what what the good Lord put in their car (laughs) 
<laughs> to keep them from dying. Yeah, you know, and it's uh, it's a very minimal fine for not wearing a seatbelt, mm-hmm. but it's a much greater risk. So um, I know I just gave it away, but no, that's all right. That. I think I think we knew Kelsey. <laughs> it's, we uh, we have. Um, <laughs> some statistics that we're going to go over tonight. We also speak with Highway Patrol about uh, just about, you know, the constant message they're trying to push to buckle up and stay safe out there. That's fantastic. Uh, Kelsey yeah. Passelt, big time anchor over at KDLT News at 5, 6, and 10. Thanks for filling us in, Kelsey. Absolutely. Stay warm, Patrick. I'm going to try. Coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, we're going to uh, talk with Danny V., from B102.7 about the experience of being at the game last night, which he was. That's all coming up after the news and weather at the top of the hour with Mr. Dan Peters. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 358 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO with the Clash. You know your rights. Hey, coming up on February 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the Winterfest of Wheels at the Sioux Falls Convention Center. Big event. It's an indoor car show featuring cars, motorcycles, and trucks. These are unique premier vehicles seen in home, in movies, on TV, and in magazines. Ditch your man room, raffles, and more. Proceeds benefit Cure Kids Cancer, 5 to 10 Friday and 10 to 9 Saturday, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Sunday. Tickets are 11 bucks, 12 and under, you get in free. Coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, we're going to talk about that big Vikings win with somebody who was there, Danny V. That's all after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. Four twenty-two on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO, and I am very happy to have in studio today Bobby Tibbetts. She is vice president of the Sanford Foundation, and the reason we've got Bobby in here today is uh, she's got lots of great stories about her kids and <laughs> all kinds of different stuff. Now we're here. We're going to talk a little bit about Ava's house here in a little bit, which is a uh, children's hospice that the foundation has been involved with bringing to fruition. But first of all, uh, Bobby, thanks for coming in today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I was hoping that we could turn the temperature up just a bit. Wouldn't that be marvelous? It would be marvelous. Maybe if we all just hope real hard that it'll happen. I'm no. in. Yeah, I'm it's possible. So we've been talking to everybody about this today, Bobby, that we talked to. And that, of course, is the the historic and amazing uh, Minnesota Vikings win, and uh, we just got done ch- chatting with with Danny V from 102 because he was there, I'll and like all that. Him. Now everybody was sort of, and we talked to Kelsey Passolt earlier. She was in the gym, w- watching the game from the treadmill, which is that's overachieving right there. That's just you know trying to. I don't think she was really at the gym. I think she was eating a bowl of chili just like everybody else. I was gonna, I, I was eating the chili, but yeah. I was cheering. So are you a Vikings fan? I you know. I wouldn't consider myself a fan, but if we're going to have the games on TV, it might as well be the Vikings, right? So yeah. I suppose, yeah. Yeah, and so were you, you know, huddled by yourself in a dark room then? or No, we okay. actually had a group of friends, kind of a funny story, because we have three 
little boys who are watching the games, and I, the fathers were all in, into the game and cheering. And two of the little boys are diehard fans, and the one was, I mean, life was over, right? It was going to mm-hmm. be the greatest upset. And we, as parents, we're, we're coaching. We're saying, you know what? In sports, it's always till the last play. Like, mm-hmm. if there's time on the clock, you know that things can happen. And as we, we say this, he catches the ball and mm-hmm. runs into the end zone. <laughs> so dads are jumping up and down. Kids are jumping over. And we're like, we told you so. So you, make sure you give it your all, right? Exactly. See, message. now you can use lord that over them for the rest of their life. Amen. If you don't listen to mom, these there are the things go. that happen. You, uh, you know, actually, one of the, the funniest things I've seen is like the YouTube highlights strung together of everybody who submitted there. And there's a lot of kids in there who are clearly fans, like tearing when, the, when they, when they uh, uh, kick the field goal and the, and the, and the saints go ahead, these kids are despondent. You know what I mean? They're taking their jerseys right. off and throwing them away and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, and they're screaming and running around. Right. So, well, and I was actually waiting for them to kick the field goal, right? I was, yeah. I was thinking we'd have the, the catch made and then we would kick and, mm-hmm. and we'd win by just a few and, that was not how yeah. it worked well, out. It was fantastic. See, it's a great day in it's the upper Midwest, day. isn't it? Uh, Bobby uh, Tibbetts is with the Sanford Foundation. She's vice president. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about Ava House, Ava's house later. But just uh, give people just a brief uh, summary of what Ava's house is so we they know what we're coming back to. Yeah, absolutely. So Ava's house is actually a multi-generational hospice facility. I think that a lot in the community think it's really just a pediatric facility. Um, and though that is one of uh, the areas of focus, we it's a, it's a multi-generational facility. So um, at Sanford, we now can care for those from birth to death. And um, because we have the dedicated care for pediatric patients, it does make us one of four in the entire country to be able to offer that type of care. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. How how many beds are in the facility? Twenty bed facility. That's pretty big yep. for a hospice, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, generally speaking. And where is it within the physically within the Sanford? Yep, it's just north of our our med center, um, right across the street from the cancer center, um, right east of Ronald McDonald and Make a Wish. Mm-hmm. So it's got kind of that home like look and feel um, on the outside as well as the inside. Right. And it's, it is, like you say, on the north side, so it's kind of in the neighborhoods anyway. You got it. Kind of yeah. blends right in there. Yeah, that was intentional. Um, they, they wanted it to be a facility that offered that home-like setting. And from the outside, and then as you look out the windows, you do. You see the homes in the residential area. So it just offers kind of that sense of peace and um, allows for a space and a place that just makes people feel at home and feel comfortable. We're going to come right back after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters and talk more with Bobby Tibbetts, who is vice president of Sanford Foundation, about Ava's house and some of the other work the foundation is doing in the community and in the region. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 435 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we are returning to our conversation with Bobby Tibbetts. She is vice president of the Sanford Foundation. Bobby, uh, how did how do you are you from? How do you end up as vice president of the Sanford Foundation? What is your path to that rather lofty title? 
So I actually started with Sanford about five and a half years ago, and I started as a fundraiser with the team. I think my title when I started was was special gifts officer, and I don't even I don't really know what that meant. <laughs> um, but I started about five and a half years ago fundraising, and then moved into a major gift position. So when it comes to fundraising and development work at Sanford, we've got our annual giving events. Those are kind of our events that happen year over year. And then we have our major gift uh, department that works on our specific priority projects. Uh, we ask for gifts that are $10,000 and above up to the multi-million dollar level. Uh, so I did some of that major gift work. Uh, specifically actually got to focus on Ava's House, one of the projects that I worked on, and then moved into a position over the fundraising for the Sioux Falls Market. And then just in, I think it was August of this year, moved into vice president. So have the pleasure of working with our development teams across our Sanford footprint. And for those who don't know Sanford, we are, our major markets are Fargo, Bismarck, Bemidji, and Sioux Falls. So I get to work with the fundraising um, with our teams across the enterprise. Oh, so, but you, do you still have to go to Fargo then? I need to go to Fargo. Okay. I go to Fargo. I go I'm to Bismarck. Sorry. Uh, you know, it's cold, but it's just as cold as it is here. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, you know, and as they say, 40 below keeps the riffraff out. Uh, um, something like that. <laughs> so, uh, you started work on Ava's house. Uh, when did it open? And we just opened. Yeah. So just in the last few months, right? Yeah. Last year. But when did you start raising money and when did the planning start? The planning started, you know, Probably in, it, the conversation started quite some time ago, and I can share with you that our lead donors to the project, Ron and Joanne Moquist, had a, their great niece, Ava, pass away from neuroblastoma, and she received care in Arizona at a place called Ryan House, and they went through that experience and came back to Sanford, to Sioux Falls, and said, you know, we need a facility like this to help complete our continuum of care. So the conversation started some time ago. We started raising money in probably 2013, and the campaign itself is a $15 million campaign. 10 million of that is for the bricks and mortar, and 5 million is for the endowment. And I am so excited and thrilled to say that before we opened the door, we completed the $10 million raise for the bricks and mortar piece, and we've got 4 million of the 5 million for the endowment piece left. So. Uh, so there's still ways to go, but uh, getting that first 10 million out of the way is pretty, impre- got to be satisfying. It, you know, it's really, it's one of those projects when I first was part of the fundraising team, when you hear of a topic like hospice, you, you can, it, it's, it's heavy. I mean, it's a heavy topic. And it was Dr. Larry Fenton, who is our pediatric palliative care doctor at Sanford, said, you know, he flipped it on its head and, and he said, uh, hospice care is not about death and dying. It's about living life to its fullest until the very last breath. And so our team heard that, and it really inspired us to think about the campaign in a different way, in a different light, and in having conversations with those who could make gifts to the project. Most everybody's been affected by hospice um, or end-of-life situations that they felt compelled to give. So it's been, a, um, it's, it's been an incredible journey. Um, it's, it's one that, as you said, we've got some work to do, but we're really pleased with where we're at in this point of the campaign. Uh, as you said earlier, it's a multi-generational uh, hospice, so there's children, adults. Yeah. Um, do you have like the dedicated number of beds to pediatrics, or h- how does that break down, or is it just 
Who happens to be there? Yeah, that's a great question. So we actually have a wing that's dedicated for pediatrics. Um, It is interchangeable. So if the volumes for pediatrics, which God willing, is less, we can then get um, our adult patients into those spaces so that we can then um, bring in the patients that we need to if the volumes are there. And I think some of the... um, components and elements of the facility are just incredible. Um, As we talk about the space, we've had patients, the families, um, come to us after they've had a a loved one pass away in the facility to say, you know, you guys really thought of of everything with this facility. Some of those elements are we've got in the pediatric wing the beds that fold down so that the parents can climb into. um, It's next to the patient bed, but the parents can climb in that space and just as you would if you're at home, cuddle your little one. Um, So That's that's an amazing image. It is. Of a parent laying with their uh, fatally, uh, terminally ill child. It's what it is. And I think when you talked about it's dark, but it is moving. Right. It, it, I think it touches everybody. Um, so the uh, uh, facility is, as you said, very homey. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of the other things I th- that I uh, read about it or heard about it is that you, kids can go outside. People can go outside, which right. has got to be very rare. Yeah, so in the patient rooms, we've got adjoining family spaces. So we're able to close off those family spaces so that patient can have their own time, family can have conversations. If patient isn't allowed to, or or not allowed, but um, not in the mood to, to talk. What also can happen in that space is the doors open and you can push those beds or wheelchairs out to the patio space and there is a walking path around the facility. So adults and pediatric patients alike and and families can stroll in the neighborhood in the summer. Uh, Hard to think about on a day like today when it's negative 22, but if they want to, they Mm -hmm. can get out on that space and take in the fresh air. Um, And it's something that, again, they were very thoughtful and intentional in doing so that patients and, and families can take in nature and, and, you know, sit outside and, and, yeah. Um, Who designed this facility? I mean, does, it seems very specialized. And as you said, you try and think of everything. Right. Is there, where do you go when you say, we need to design a hospice? Yeah, we actually had a, our patient care team visited uh, locations to make sure that, you know, looking at what they have, looking at floor plans, looking at, Um, the shared services, trying to be as efficient with it. So it was our operators who, and they took field trips. They went to different facilities to see what they had. So it was um, our patient care team. You know, we've got up up on 6,000, we had our hospice facility there, and a lot of that staff has now transitioned over to our hospice, um, our Avis house. 20 20 beds, is that what you said? Are are you full already, or how, you know, is that something that is long-term, uh, that there's a buffer built in, and or is it full right now? Uh, I do not believe that it's full right now. Um, it, it's definitely being utilized. Um, we, we have had adult and pediatric patients um, utilize the space, and we aren't at um, we aren't at max right now. I don't believe, um, but it's it's definitely being utilized, and we've had incredible feedback from what the space has allowed for these families. Um, just uh, as as has been said, a facility like Ava's House is not going to bring you fame and fortune, um, but it's it's something that it's the right thing to do for the patient, and it's the right thing to do for our continuum of care at Sanford. 
We're, we've been talking with Bobby Tibbet. She is the vice president for Stanford Foundation. And we are going to come back after this break and talk more about Ava's house and the services and care that's offered there. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. And it's 4.46 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we return to our conversation with Bobby Tibbetts. She is vice president of the Sanford Foundation here in Sioux Falls. And we've been discussing the foundation and the new uh, facility that's opened over on the Sanford campus, Ava's house. Um, Bobby, where are you from? Where, I how'd am you end from up Pierce, here? Nebraska. Pierce, Nebraska. Pierce, Nebraska. And for folks who, you know who, uh, you know, I understand Nebraska geography intimately, but for folks who don't know where that is, where is that? That is about 12 miles north of Norfolk, Nebraska, or uh, relation to South Dakota. It's about 50 miles south of Yankton. Ah, yes. Yes. So if you dr- take 81, you got it. Uh, just head right through Pierce. Well, off the, inter- yeah, oh, off okay. the highway a few miles. Off the, the beaten path, the, as we off like the to say. Path. And yes. you went from Pierce to where? I actually came to South Dakota uh, for college. I went to the University of South Dakota and uh, met my now husband there, moved to San Diego after college because what Nebraska girl wouldn't want to live in California after Everyone. graduate college. Right. <laughs> and that's what you do. You, you move to the ocean. So I did that and actually took a position fundraising uh, with the American Cancer Society out in San Diego and then also had a position with corporate events and party planning. So I then started dating my now husband, moved back to South Dakota, and am now still fundraising here with Sanford Health Foundation. And uh, raising some children. You've, you've started on the, on the great journey. Yes. Is there a manual for that? Because um, I, I need some help. Yeah, I need some help. It's the scene from uh, Raising Arizona where the, I got the instructions. It's a Dr. Spock's. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's not why we're here. That's not why we're here. So tell me why people see Sanford and they think of it as one big entity, which it is one big mm-hmm. entity in, in large measure. But you work for the foundation. Why does Sanford need a foundation to raise money for facilities or anything else? Why does the foundation exist? Yeah, I mean, there's obviously as a system, we have priorities and uh, the healthcare team um looks to carry out those priorities. But on top of that, uh, we lean on foundation and philanthropy to do things above and beyond. And Ava's House is a specific example of that, of being able to um, raise the money to have a facility that otherwise wouldn't exist. Um, And we always say at the foundation, you know, obviously we work with the donors. Uh, Mr. Sanford himself, who who can give millions of dollars. Um, But it's about being part of something more. And we at the foundation, um, it's, it's the kids that bring in the dollars to our radiothons. It's the kids that empty their piggy banks. My, my kids um, are part of that, who, who bring in the money. The, the employees who give a dollar a paycheck because they want to be a part of something bigger. Um, they want to be a part of what philanthropy can make happen. So, I mean, that's, that's why I love what I do. Mm-hmm. I know that the, the team that I work with are so very passionate because... It's being able to connect those that want to be part of something more and, and doing so. Uh, in terms of Ava's house and uh, uh, philanthropy, um, you talked about when you first were charged with raising money mm-hmm. for this. 
but it still must be very difficult to get people interested in that conversation. Maybe once you hook them in that conversation, like, oh, okay, I see the mission. But when you start talking to people about end of life right away, you've got kind of a tough mission there. Yeah, I mean, I think it's how you look at it, though, because so many people that go through that experience because of the way they're impacted, they want to give back. They understand the importance of it. And it's our job as fundraisers to listen. Um, We can start conversation, but every conversation we have is donor driven. Um, And, you know, I think the beauty in Sanford is if it's not Ava's house, if there's an interest in something as long as the operators within the system can utilize the dollars as the donors intend, we can engage in that conversation. So if it's education, uh, we talked about art, we talked about what art means to people. Um, Really, if there's an interest and a passion and we can make that connection and the the care team feels that there's a need, we, we certainly will go down that road and have a conversation. We're talking with Bobby Tibbet. She is vice president of the Sanford Foundation. Um, you mentioned uh, uh, Denny Sanford. In one sense, uh, the entire mission of Sanford Health at this point is driven by philanthropy. Mm-hmm. Um, so how much does that story help you when you're going to other people? Or is it tough to, to go out and raise money for something that gets an institution gets so much publicity about philanthropy? Patrick, that is a great question. Um, Mr. Sanford has specific initiatives that he supports. Uh, he researched uh, Edith Cancer, the, the Sanford Project. So when we talk about fundraising in our local markets, um, oftentimes it's projects that's outside of Mr. Sanford's giving. So he's helped us build the infrastructure for research, but making sure that we've got um, priority projects like Edith, we it, it really it's a catalyst to have conversations about what else can be done in this community for this region, and that happens the same in Sioux Falls as the, the same conversations in Fargo, Bismarck, and Bemidji. So, um, a lot of folks, when Mr. Sanford gave his initial gift, you know there were questions of is this going to impact fundraising, um, and because he's got such specific priorities. Um, it really has inspired others to give and to think in a way of, of what can philanthropy do in this market. What's the state of philanthropy in this market? Um, how is it trending? Obviously, we came through the Great Recession. You yeah. don't know how that's going to affect people's wealth, their long-term ability to give, but also the spirit of giving. What's it like right now out there doing major gifts? Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, We talk about donor fatigue in this market because we have such a giving, such a generous community, and so many projects are worthy. And a lot of the same donors will step up and will take significant, make significant gifts to several different projects. So we talk about that a lot, but I, I think the success in Ava's house and so many other, you know, we just had a radiothon in December where our goal um, was 250000 and we raised 285000 and And a lot of that is we, we got $10,000 gifts from that, but it was the dollar gifts that make a difference. And it's those, again, wanting to be part of something something bigger and contributing at whatever level that means. You know, we always try to, we, we never take for granted the size of gifts, and you never know what that means. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, one thing I'm interested to with Ava's house before we leave that is it must be, 
it seems to me very interesting on one hand to be treating pediatric patients at end of life and elderly people at end of life because you're talking about a completely different uh, mindset for the people who are surrounding them, their loved ones. And I'm wondering how difficult that mission is from a care perspective. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we, we've said this. The hospice care team, they're, they're angels on earth. I mean, I think for them to be able to deli- deliver that care and allow for the loved ones to, to be a mom, to be a dad, to, to be a spouse uh, is incredible. And, um, you know, we've got dedicated staff that care for the pediatric, and it's different than what happens um, with with uh, other patients. But all in all, it's, it's incredible, incredible care. And that happens over here at the hospital. Um, but we know and we've heard firsthand that those have gone through that. It's the, the care team that, that makes the difference in their situation. Yeah, that's amazing. Bobby Tibbet, she is vice president for the, of the Sanford Foundation, and we've been discussing Ava's house. There's probably some place I can go to get more information about Ava's house, and if I you know, want to contribute or I just want to learn more, where can, I, where can I get that information? Absolutely. You can go to our website um, at the foundation. You can um, call my direct numbers, 605-312-6711. Um, we, we love to entertain questions. And, you know, I think there's, as you look at ways of giving back to Sanford, um, obviously donating is there, but we've got volunteer opportunities at Ava's house. Um, and, and across our, our enterprise, we've got options within our, our children's and, and other. But, um, you know, when we, when we think of giving back, it's, it's not always monetary. We, we've got time as well. So if people want to volunteer, we've got opportunities there too. Thank you, Bobby, for coming in. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Patrick. We'll be right back on The Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four fifty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. Remember, everybody, coming up on January twenty-seventh. That's a Saturday. It's Sioux Empire on Tap at the Sioux Falls Convention Center. Sample over one hundred craft beers from more than sixty breweries. Two general admission sessions to choose from, or a VIP session. There will be live music, games, and food available for purchase. Get your tickets now. SiouxEmpireOnTap.com. Coming up tomorrow on the big show, Brian Allen. He's the anchor of the nightly news down at KSFY TV. He's going to be here to talk about the state of broadcasting and such. And the common man, he'll be in. That's all coming up tomorrow on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO.